Hey, you are listening to the Holistic Travel Nurse Podcast. Thanks for stopping in and spending some time with me. This episode um, is more of the cure from Dr. Hoda Clark and then more about parasites, more about liver flushes. This is why I hope you listen to it and be inspired that you want a health coach um, to kind of work through detoxing and cleaning and parasite cleanses, liver cleanses. And if you want someone... Um, I'm, I'm your gal. I'm here for you. Uh, I can read your blood work. I can be your advocate as a, in this day and age, you need a health advocate, a nurse advocate. I'm telling you so many nurses out there, if you get into place and you don't know what's going on with your doctor and you just want to have that person that has your back and has that best interest for you and can give you advice, give you a guidance and, help you make those decisions and point you in some directions to look into uh, also with when it comes to the alternative health and you want to do alternative health you know what I have some open positions I'm getting it up also if you are um, planning a, you're in Oregon I'm opening up a wellness spa and I'm gonna offer a whole bunch of things I want to be a place where people will come and feel like they can get well you know work on their health uh, so here is the rest of this, and then we'll see if I can get into the other stuff, but we'll see. I don't want to make them too long, but I want you to enjoy this. People, at least 99 of them would get stones out. Now you say stones. I mean pebbles like we see on the beach? Sometimes they're pebbles like you see on the beach, small, gray, very hard rocks. But most of the time, they're larger, green-colored Roundish objects, uh, the size of a bean or pea or a lima bean, and sometimes much, much larger. Could we see these with an ultrasound or an MRI or an X-ray? No, you can't because they don't have that much density difference from your tissue. To be able to see something, say on X-ray, it would have to be calcified, and on an ultrasound, it would or a scan, it would have to have quite a density difference, and it doesn't. It's really just made of cholesterol crystals, garbage, and mush. <laughs> Again, I would do, and I've done my cleanses, I do some of what they're talking about, but some of what they're talking about in this liver cleanse, I would say caution with. So that's why you want to work with a healthcare practitioner. So just let you listen to the rest of this as well as the kidney for a number of years. In fact, it dates back more than 2,000 years ago. The Egyptians were actually doing it, where the um, Egyptians would travel across the desert, get the salt out of the Dead Sea. They'd bring it back and they would put it into the kings with a combination of lemon and sea salt, and they would flush the liver this way. Well, we have a more sophisticated way of doing it now, using Epsom salts, olive oil and grapefruit as the grand finale and we'll just show you how we build up to it to prepare the body so that the body can eliminate some of the toxins the first thing we use is a beet cucumber juice here and the beet cucumber juice helps to um, alkalize the body as well as clean the liver and then we also use black cherry juice which helps both eating the cherries and drinking the juice to cleanse the kidney and then in addition to that, for cleansing the kidney, we also use a tea made from uva ursi. Now we also use, for both the kidney and the liver, a 
combination of apple and lemon. And to that we add ginger. The reason why we suggest the ginger, the apple, and the lemon is because it really does help to emulsify the stones. So if you do this 21 days prior to the actual flush itself, you will emulsify a lot of these crystals that can accumulate in the liver. In fact, we actually use this formula of apple, lemon, and ginger as the first drink after the liver flush just to help get rid of some of the toxins and clear the liver of any extra crystals that might not have come out in the liver flush itself. Dr. Clark has found that this combination of black walnut and super blend of wormwood combination and cloves kills the parasite, the specific Fasciolopsis buski. And the best method for cleaning out the liver is to go in and use these products first for the first three weeks. And then on the day of the flush, you stop using all of these products and then you just go straight to the vegetable juices. And by the way, on that day, stay completely vegetarian and stay off of all the fats that particular day as well. So you'll build up the bile pressure in the liver and you'll get a more effective flush. In the digestive tract, she suggests that we use betaine HCO. So that helps drive all the bacteria down into the lower intestine where it can live there out of harm's way. And then in the teeth, she suggests that we brush our teeth with the oil of oregano. And the way we do that, Jane, if I could just have your hand here for a second, we just put a little dab on the finger, about, about that much, a drop. Then you take the toothbrush like this and you rub it on the, on the finger, absorbing all of the oregano oil. This is very, very hot, hotter than cayenne pepper actually. And then you just go about brushing your teeth with it, which Jane can do now because she's preparing for her liver flush. You brush your teeth with it, and that kills all the cholesterolium bacteria in the teeth, preparing the liver then for the flush itself. To do the flush, what we normally do is we stop eating at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Now at that point, we allow the body four hours to get all of the food through the digestive tract. Then we introduce the body at 6 o'clock, to the first glass of Epsom salt, which we have here, this regular Epsom salt, and about a tablespoon and a half in one glass. Now inside this glass of, of water, we've dissolved one and a half tablespoons of Epsom salt, and she'll do that at six o'clock. Then the second glass of water is also one and a half tablespoons of Epsom salt that she does two hours later at eight o'clock. Now in between these two times, it's not mandatory, but it does help to do a foot massage, which you can use on a foot, massa foot massage machine, or you can just have your spouse or your, your mate um, give you a foot massage. It would really help to uh, sit in a chair with your feet elevated, at least, to allow the lymphatic system to, to cleanse itself. Now, at the same time, I suggest you prepare two other glasses of eight ounces of water each with one and a half tablespoons of Epsom salt in both that you'll lay by the bedside and one will be drank at 6 a.m. in the morning, and the other one will be drank at 8 o'clock in the morning when you'll get out of bed. So the first Epsom salt, Jane does at 6 o'clock. The second Epsom salt, she does at 8 o'clock. And then two are prepared for 6 a.m. in the morning and 8 a.m. respectively. So once she wakes up in the morning, the Epsom salt's going to help encourage the bowel to eliminate. The reason why uh, Dr. Clark has picked Epsom salts, of course, is because the magnesium sulfate helps relax the, the liver and the bowel so that the stones can roll out easier. Her body's now prepared to take the liver flush itself, which is a combination of olive oil, 
and freshly squeezed grapefruit juice, and we just use a regular citrus juicer for this. And usually you get about, um, between two and three grapefruits should give you about eight ounces of grapefruit juice, and that's all you need to do this. The grapefruit juice, of course, that we get is pink, and we filter it to make sure that there's no pulp. And then in combination with the olive oil, it perfectly prepares the liver so that you can eliminate. Now as an option, and it's a very good option, we suggest that you ozonate the olive oil, and we'll show you how to do that. You just get a regular ozonator. You can get this down at your local pet store because they use them for fish tanks, and a regular fish tank pump here. Um, it's very, very cheap to get one of these, and you can just put the ozonating bowl right into the olive oil, and then I plug it in. I don't suggest that you actually plug it in until you're ready to go because the ozone can be toxic in your environment. So now the ozone is going into the olive oil and it creates a very, very toxic formula for microorganisms, but it's not harmful to human health. So when we mix this together in combination with the grapefruit juice, this will force all of the bile salts and all of the chemical that's accumulated in the liver completely out in the morning. We suggest that you ozonate for approximately 10 minutes. That'll be enough to saturate it. As another option in helping to um, kill the microorganisms, Dr. Clark has created a product she calls the Synchro Zap, or Zapper, and it works by sending electrical frequency into the body. And it's only run off of a nine volt battery, which you can see in the back here. And it's harmless to the body. And all you do is you have Jane hold this one. You just wet, wet it down, put it on the little electrode here. So you just place it over the pulse point and snap it on and it's that simple. And the little electrode just snaps on and off on this snap. And then we do the other one the exact same way. Get a little bit wet so you've got conductivity. You don't even actually feel this when it's going on the body. Place it over the pulse point. Just turn it on by pushing the button. And it works in a, in a cycle of seven minutes, and then it takes a 20 minute rest, then it repeats for seven minutes, and it takes another 20 minute rest, then it repeats for seven more minutes. For the first seven minutes, it'll kill the parasite, and if anything should be living in the parasite, like a bacteria, then the next seven minutes will kill the bacteria. And if a virus should be living inside the bacteria, the following seven minutes should clean all of that up as well. And that's the uh, principle behind this device. Like I said, this is optional, but we do find that it does help with the uh, effectiveness of the flush. And that is the liver flush. The liver cleanse is much underestimated. It should be done a lot more often because it's, it's one of the most important parts of the protocol. You, because uh, a, especially cancer patients are highly toxic and they need a liver that's in a good shape to get rid of all these toxins. Doctor, if we read the back of many toothpaste that are available today in the grocery store, it says if we should swallow more than what you could fit on the end of the toothbrush, call poison control immediately. Perhaps you'd like to address that. I haven't actually seen that myself, but of course I feel that way. I know that. Uh, toothpaste is very toxic stuff. 
not just because of the chemicals in it, but because the material in it is ground so fine that a few should get some into an extraction site where a tooth once was, it will stay there forever. I find toothpaste in old extraction sites that never heal. They're called cavitations. I talk about that in the book. Cavitations where old tooth extractions have left an area of well, minor infection. It becomes a bioaccumulation site and there's toothpaste in there. There's a lot of silicone in toothpaste and silicone is absorbed, taken in by the white blood cells and, and white blood cells become disabled by it. Now, that's called low immunity, immune dysfunction. Coming from your toothpaste, that's awful. Well, oddly enough, um, I was uh, on the staff of UCLA uh, back in the 60s, and I gave the first class at UCLA, because one of my jobs at UCLA was to develop the curriculum for the uh, new students coming aboard and also the dental school itself. And so I, I was um, fortunate to, be give, to give the first lecture on mercury fillings that the students had. And in my research, I uncovered that mercury was a concern. In fact, in 19, uh, 1848, it was uh, considered illegal to use mercury, unethical. Uh, the then union of, of uh, dentistry was the American College of Dental Surgeons, and it was likely analogous to the ADA. And that group of bodies said it was illegal or unethical to use mercury because of its toxic concerns. But then there was no alternative that, that was able to be used. So dentists got together and began using mercury fillings because it was more economical. And indeed, there was a serious problem because what are you going to use? You can't use gold. Most people couldn't afford gold. And even the gold techniques were not refined as they are today. So there was no option, no uh, alternative. Uh, so the, this group of dentists began to use mercury fillings, and that group grew and became the American Dental Association. So the American Dental Association has had its formation on the utilization of mercury fillings, which is ironic, of course. The American Dental Association suggests that silver fillings really don't have any ill effect on our health, but you've proven that that is not true. I wouldn't call them silver fillings. I would call them uh, mercury, thallium, and lanthanide fillings because they are not made of silver and mercury and iron and nickel, let's say. They are made of silver, mercury, iron, nickel, and all the other 70 elements in the table, including the very toxic ones, including even uranium. We are finding uranium in them. How more carcinogenic can it get? And it gets out. That's the point. I think that the uh, Dental Association is not aware and hasn't done the experiments to, to find out, is not aware that the metals from these fillings, including uranium, are, can be found in the kidneys, the liver, the spleen, and other organs. Wherever your tumor is, that's where it's bioaccumulating. There was a body of evidence that would say, hey, you're using this potentially lethal material while dentists were, were teaching and I was one of the ones who were taught who then taught that mercury was inert when you mixed with silver, tin, zinc and copper of which consists of the mercury filling or the amalgam or the silver filling it's really a mercury filling because 50% of it's mercury and if you mix it with silver, tin, zinc and copper we taught that it was inert 
which is a scientific impossibility because everything by the laws of entropy is in the process of decay. And in the case of the dental mercury filling, the decay is quite, uh, quite prominent. For those people watching this video that have already changed their tooth fillings from the mercury filling to the white fillings, what about that? I have to apologize for that. That's what I said in the first book, Cure for All Cancers, that that's what you should do. At that time, I was not aware that they were seeping carcinogenic dyes. I, I don't think any scientist anywhere could ever imagine that a perfectly white tooth, a white cap, should be tested for carcinogenic dyes that are red. But all the dyes are polluted with the other dyes. And all the materials that are used for the manufacture of these synthetic uh, plastic teeth are polluted with synthetic dyes. We test for 18 azo dyes. These azo dyes cause the well-known P53 mutations. And for those people that don't know what a P53 mutation is? All tumors, cancerous tumors, uh, are loaded with mutations. This means chromosome breaks and gene mutations. That's why you do a biopsy and send it to the lab. The cytologist in the lab looks at the slides and when they see these mutations, chromosomes all over the place, they can designate what kind of cancer you have. That is the clue to the fact that there is cancer going on in that biopsy. So your research has proven that a healthy cell is turning into a cancerous cell because of the dye. Exactly. That's part of it. It's more complicated than that, but that is a very big part. And we cannot stop the tumor from growing. And we, can't, uh, we can't start it shrinking unless you stop giving it dyes, carcinogenic dyes. In fact, in the, in the average mouth, we might find sometimes 26 different metals in the mouth, which, again, not only is biocompatible problem with toxicities but the electronics this has been a fascinating field for for us in the last 15 years we've been doing electronic readings uh, by using a, an amp meter uh, a more sophisticated digital amp meter well if we have teeth now that have metal in their mouth that are constantly generating electricity and by the way, our car battery is a lead pole and a zinc pole and a box of sulfuric acid, right? If we wanted to create the quintessential battery, we would use gold and silver, the cathode and the anode, the positive and the negative pole, which can create a wonderful battery. Well, we do this in the mouth. So tremendous amounts of electricity can disturb the normal flow of ionic flow in the body. So if you've got a constant flow of electricity created by the metal fillings in our in our mouth, we can then turn off, or the body says, hey, the stimulation is constant, I better do something to adapt, so it blocks, instead of stimulates like the initial acupuncture needle is stimulated, but if left in there, it could cause a problem. Our teeth are those bioelectrical electrodes, and I refer to them sometimes as spark plugs, because they have capacity. The, the tooth, incidentally, the tooth is a very interesting device, because it's surrounded by crystal. And the crystal, if we look at what the computer is all about, the computer has its heart in the silicone chip, has the crystal of the silicone chip. And the analogous of the silicone chip in the computer is the enamel that covers this, this thing we call the tooth. So the, in a normal healthy tooth, the tooth has capacity to hold a charge.
like the spark plug has a capacity to hold the charge. But if you put metal in that tooth, you disturb this electronic flow. And so a whole vast of things are now being looked at related to this electrical disturbance that you, that you make mention of, and rightly so. oxidizing and it's seeping into the body and if we have micro leakage want to see how far you can turn okay but in this area there he's already got some micro leakage and clostridium bacteria is going under there and it festers in there and that creates well an infectious site and if they if you have a bacteria in there it'll start to, to go down into your tooth and that'll go into your blood system and then it'll harbor somewhere and create a larger problem. Like a tumor. It could go into a tumor. Why are no other dentists um, doing this type of extraction procedure? Well, from what I've talked to Dr. Clark, uh, her theory is not, well, it's not a theory, her method is not well received by uh, mainstream dentistry or mainstream medicine. Um, there's a lot of things that are not well seen by mainstream uh, medical practice. Why do you guys see it? Well, the arguments that Dr. Clark told us uh, were very convincing. And uh, some of the things we have seen through her method are well, they're very blatant. You can't really ignore them. So you actually see the bacteria under the... Well, no, you don't see bacteria because the bacteria is microscopic. But you see the, the benefits that it has been produced. So you actually see patients getting well after the teeth are removed. They're getting a lot better. Well, we're, you know, we're, we're talking in general today about controversial subjects, right? And certainly root canal fillings are extreme controversy. And uh, there's been a lot of concerns about the root canal. They're all, and it's not just recent. Uh, Dr. Alfred Price uh, really was one of the pioneers in the concern of root canals. He was a past president of the American Dental Association and a tremendous researcher and a humanitarian and a, a, a nutritionist. Um, he said that basically what he had found in his early studies is that he would take an extracted root canal tooth 
and take some of that grindings and put it underneath the rabbit's ear. And he would find that, that if the patient, the donor from that tooth, let's say had a strept bacteria, that patient, that rabbit then would mimic or would develop the same kind of infection. So he found that there was bacteria present uh, in a dead tooth living in the tubules themselves. A, a vital tooth, a healthy vital tooth, uh, is made up of a canal on the inside with various um, blood vessels and nerves radiating inside the chamber of that tooth. And uh, radiating from uh, these, this canal are little tubules, microscopic little tubules in the dentin underneath this cap of enamel I mentioned earlier, that <clears throat> little tubules uh, allow the fluid to come in and out of that tooth, balancing the hydrostatic pressure within that chamber, so that when there's swelling inside the tooth, we see a, a, we see a fluid coming out the tooth, otherwise we'd have a toothache all the time. So this, uh, this exchange of fluids throughout the tubules in a healthy tooth is there for a reason. When we do a root canal filling, we take out we take out all the uh, canal, all the dead tissue in the case of uh, a dead tooth. Uh, we were to assume that if a tooth died, we would simply remove the nerves and the blood vessels and the abscess and all the dead tissue that was related to a dead tooth and fill it in with a suitable filling material. Now, assuming that filling material is suitable, Dr. Price showed that within these tubules that were once occupied by fluid, now they have become dehydrated and then they become inhabited by microorganisms. Why do you have to extract a root canal? Because wherever there is foreign material in a tooth socket, which is way down deep in your tissue, Clostridium bacteria, find that location and they grow there. So it isn't, in this case, a matter of what the composition is. It's the fact that it gets infected and you don't know it. You don't feel pain. You don't, you're not alerted to it. And the Clostridium bacteria find it a home because it's anaerobic. What's the problem when people extract the teeth and they don't pull that ligament out? Well, according to Dr. Clark, everything in this area has already been infected. And if you leave part of the tissue that's infected, uh, it'll still fester, it'll still be contaminated. The reason for this is that although you do get a lot of bleeding, the, the bone in that area is not as, well, it doesn't have as much circulation because it's a thicker type of bone. It's more of a, uh, of a cortical type of bone that goes into that area. Now, this cortical bone is thicker, it's denser, so it has less, less circulation. Unless that is scraped off uh, accordingly, and some of that bone that, that seems to be contaminated, taken out till we leave a, a nice big uh, bloody mess. <laughs> An open cavity, so it can yeah, heal back. So it'll, so it'll heal back. And this is what she calls the Archega method in her new book. This video goes into showing fourth <clears throat> the things. It's funny because I have a video. If you've not heard that one, you can go back to it when it comes to um, the things that we have when it comes to uh, uh, healing um, from infection. And 
the tooth one or Dr. Oh, I can't remember what it is. But that's, anyways, I think it labeled starts in your mouth. I'm sorry. I'm just like having this brain fart of um, information <laughs> that I was like, oh, I really want to share this. And then it just uh, went off for me. Um, so anyways, I thought this is important information because it's not talked about. Um, and it, in a setting where people will, or a regular doctor might like go no way, no parasites, no this, no that. They've been doing this for a long, long, long time. When others decide to do their own research and go digger into the things and go, wait a second, that's not true, you know? So it it's just an interesting concept. She, she brought up, um, the cleanse and then she brings up the liver flush and I've talked about that before over and over and over it's super helpful it's super amazing to do liver cleanse drink, okay the hot water okay here's the rest of the liver cleanse walk through um, with spirit of health so again we're going to talk about the liver and his cleanse and then I'll tell you mine um but he kind of takes a little bit of Dr. Clark's. So I want you to end with this. Get that liver water moving as well. And then we have the red beet crystals. So I mentioned earlier beets because they're dark and they're red and they're full of iron and other minerals. They're very, very good for the liver. This is olive gold O3, which I'll talk about later, but this is an ozonated olive oil specifically. For I don't use that when I use something else cheaper. So additional things that you would need would be lemons, raw apple cider vinegar. We like the Bragg's brand, but there's others out there. And then for the liver gallbladder flush, you're going to need your olive oil, your ozonated olive oil, Epsom salt, which you can buy at any drugstore or Walmart or pretty much anywhere. And then your citrus juice, grapefruit or lemon juice. The other thing I'm going to encourage for your liver cleanse is an enema kit of all the cleanses. Um, and I would say, you know, besides the, the colon cleanse, of course, but so the colon cleanse to clean out your colon enemas would be really important, but the liver dumps out of your body through your bowels. I want to stress that. Um, I, I'm really into fasting and prayer, and I see a lot of people do extended fast and they start vomiting. And a lot of times what they're vomiting is bile. And it's actually a liver cleanse. It's a liver detox that's naturally occurring in the body. But if you're supporting your bowels, moving your bowels, doing enemas and getting toxins and waste out through your bowels, that liver will dump out through your bowels and not come up out the other way, which is extremely unpleasant. I'm sure everybody's experienced that and we don't want that. So I'm really encouraging people to take care of their bowels cleanse their bowels, move their bowels while doing a liver cleanse because you're going to have way, way better benefits. And you can avoid some of those unnecessary detoxification reactions that often happen when you're doing a cleanse. Skin breakouts and nausea and vomiting and a lot of those things that can happen can be avoided if we're moving toxins out through our bowels. So I'm going to strongly encourage some type of an enema kit at home or going to get colonic somewhere or something of that nature. So the supplement schedule's 
Pretty simple. I'm going to run through that. This is what you're going to do every day for 30 days. And then I want to give you the liver drink, which I think is crucially important. Um, I have web uh, recipes on my website too for a liver juice. It's really simple. It's like carrot, beet, apple, celery, lemon, just those really simple things to drink in a juice, especially if you're gonna do like a juice fast or something, which would be awesome for this. So it's 7 a.m. and at 7 p.m., so twice a day you're gonna do the liver cleanse drink, which I'll tell you what that is. Uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you what it is now. So the liver cleanse drink is really simple. It's, it's hot or warm water, and the warm or hot water is important because that relaxes, that kind of opens everything up the heat. You don't want to do cold because that's, that's constricting. So warm or hot water, a teaspoon of your beet crystals, a tablespoon of Bragg's apple cider vinegar, and a tablespoon of fresh pressed lemon juice, and two full droppers, so two full squirts of this liver gallbladder tonic by Dr. Morse. So that is your liver cleanse drink, and you're going to do that twice a day. And there's a lot of reasons for those different things in the liver cleanse, but I think one of the most important things is that we do have an epidemic of stones and sludge being built up in that liver gallbladder area and those bile ducts that are all connecting, the, the tubes that are connecting all those areas in there. And that lemon juice and that apple cider vinegar over time will dissolve that gunk, that sludge, those stones. And it's breaking down that sludge in those stones that when you do the liver gallbladder flush can purge all that junk out of there. And I, I have seen people transformed, people struggling with health, struggling with digestive issues, struggling with hormonal issues, chronic migraines, and they get that liver sludge out and boom, they feel like brand new people. It's amazing. So, uh, so that's the liver cleanse drink, the hot water, beet crystals, apple cider vinegar, lemon juice. The recipe is right there. It's really simple. And you're going to drink that twice a day, morning and night, 7 a.m., 7 p.m. The guideline is just that. It's a guideline. Your life's different than mine, and you want to do the best you can. This is just a rough idea. If you want to follow this to the T, follow it to the T. If you want to play with it a little bit, play with it a little bit based on your schedule. And then a couple times a day, I'm going to encourage you to take some supplements 9 a.m. and 5 p.m., just twice a day. I got the Turmeric Power Plus, one capsule of that, first uh, at 9 a.m., a capsule of the Turmeric Power Plus, a teaspoon of bitters. Mmm, very bitter. Actually, you know, you might grow to like these. They kind of, it's kind of contrary to the sweet taste that we get all the time. And so to help change your uh, taste buds a little bit and maybe get you away from craving sweets, the bitters are actually really nice. So a teaspoon of bitters, Turmeric Power Plus capsule, and then you could do a juice or a smoothie or some vegetables, steamed vegetables, a salad, um, whatever maybe food you want to eat for the cleanse. And then the other thing is you're going to mix a little tiny drink with your chlorophyll. Okay, you got a teaspoon of the chlorophyll and a heaping teaspoon of your spirulina. And it actually doesn't taste bad in uh, a juice or some kind of a drink, like if you do a smoothie or you do a juice. Um, the greens can actually uh, taste pretty good in those. So that's what you're going to do at 9 and then again at 5 o'clock. Just take those few simple supplements. That's it. It's really simple. It's 30 days long. But the key, one of the keys, I think, is these liver gallbladder flushes. 
And I will just say again, I think one of the keys is um, the enemas and keeping your colon cleaned out and moving because limiting food, putting the right herbs and things in your body that kind of get things moving and kind of start to unclog your liver a little bit, um, you, you want to get those toxins out. It's really, really important. And over time, that, that's going to naturally happen. The deeper you go as far as fasting, in other words, the less food you put in your body, the more intense the, the cleansing or the purging. So again, I've, I've done water fasting. I've seen a lot of people go deep into water fasting, and, and if they're not moving stuff out through their bowels, they will start to throw up bile and things like that. But you can do a juice fast. You could just eat raw fruits and vegetables for this 30 days. There's different ways you can do it, but do what works best for you. All right, so the gallbladder flush. So you want to prepare for this gallbladder flush, and you're going to do this on day 15 and day 30. Now, some people, they don't want to do it twice. That's fine. Just do it, just do it once. Um, but you, and I wouldn't do it more than twice. So day 15, day 30 is the way I laid it out. I also just want to make a couple points about the liver gallbladder flushes. You know, it's very powerful, it's very effective, but it's very strong. And if you've never done this before, it can be unpleasant. So it's kind of like a, a little word of warning there. Um, don't plan to do anything the next day because uh, it can be rough on some people, especially the first time. Now, actually, you've done it a few times, it actually get, can get pretty easy. You can get up, go to work, like no big deal. I've done a lot of these. So just wanted to let you know to be cautious of that. And then the other thing is, is uh, you know, make sure you prepare for it properly. Now, if you're doing this cleanse, you're going to be preparing for it properly. But if you're not doing the cleanse, for example, and you want to do a liver gallbladder flush, you need to take at least two, three days prep time before the flush just to make sure that your body is prepared for it. Um, so, for example, you don't want to be eating lots of heavy fats leading up to this gallbladder flush because again your your goal here is to purge and squeeze uh, your your gallbladder so you only want to eat fruits and vegetables at least the day before and you want to drink a quart of organic apple juice a quart of apple juice the day before you do the flush and that's the malic acid that helps break down the stones. Again, and I said earlier, the lemon juice, apple cider vinegar, and now the malic acid and the apple juice, those things all help break down the stones. The malic acid, they say, actually kind of softens the stones to help them prepare to get, to get out of the body. Now, the day of the flush, so again, day 15, day 30, on those days, you want to do just a little bit of juice, or maybe some raw fruit, but nothing after 2 p.m. So 2 p.m. is your cutoff. And you're not gonna do any fat the day of the, the flush, and you're not gonna eat anything after 2 p.m. And then you can follow these instructions here. 2 p.m., you stop all food and drink. 6 p.m., you're gonna do your first tablespoon of Epsom salts and eight ounces of warm water, and lemon juice will help with the taste because I'm just honest, it tastes like a rubber hose. It's no fun, it's kind of gross, um, but the Epsom salts are important to dilate those bile ducts so that everything can flush out. So at 8 p.m., you're gonna mix a tablespoon of Epsom salts um, in warm water with your lemon juice. You're gonna get your little drink uh, ready at eight o'clock. So, 
At eight o'clock, you're gonna do a second tablespoon of Epsom salts in warm water with lemon juice and drink it. So you're doing that drink at 6 p.m. and you're doing that drink at 8 p.m. And then you're gonna wanna get your drink ready that you're gonna drink at 9.45 right before bed and that's the olive oil drink. So you're gonna blend a half a cup, which is four ounces of olive oil. Now I strongly, strongly encourage the Olive Gold 03, which is ozonated olive oil. It's olive oil infused with ozone, which is oxygen. Ozone and oxygen clears out toxins and waste out of the body. It'll clear out fungus, it'll clear out parasites. Myself and multiple people who have done this cleanse said it is night and day difference in using just plain olive oil off the shelf versus the ozonated olive oil. So I'm gonna strongly encourage you to do the ozonated olive oil so you get the most benefit out of your liver gallbladder flush. So what you're gonna do is the four ounces of olive oil and you're gonna mix that with the juice of one big old grapefruit or at least four lemons. So you're mixing lemon or grapefruit juice with your ozonated olive oil. And you're gonna set that by your bed and get ready to drink it. Now I that's repeat kind of what she said too and um i just thought that the olive gold was kind of expensive so there are other alternatives out there that's why you work with healthcare practitioner um and if you don't do the ozonated one i do ozone water so there's multiple options when kind of addressing the liver flush um but again taking care of the parasites first taking care of the bacteria that are growing in your body you have no idea taking care of your teeth, getting the mercury and the other things out. I still personally have two teeth that have um, root canals and I know I have to come out, but um, it's just, I already spent over quite a bit of money that I'm still paying off to get all the mercury in my mouth. If you've not listened to more of my podcasts, I've talked about that. I don't want to go on, but I want you to explore that your health and things you need to do to take care of it naturally. I hope this um, helps you and that you share this with somebody else. God bless.